0: It's a privilege to be lead pastor here at Living Waters Church, and I uh, uh, am thankful uh, that I get to um, serve you in this way, but also serve God in this way, and that I get the, uh, the privilege to be able to, to just put hours and hours in study of God's Word uh, for times like this this morning. We are, we are still in a series called Love One Another, and we have uh, diverted for two Sundays uh, regarding this series to focus on Israel. There has just been so much misinformation and, and actually just flat-out lies about what's going on in the Middle East that I just couldn't wait till the holidays were over and sometime in January... Uh, to deal with that. So, I, I, I've i taken a couple of weeks here. Uh, this coming Sunday, November 26, Philip uh, was planning on, on teaching on the Love One Another series. I didn't want that to be on his mind this week, so I looked for uh, someone else to teach this coming Sunday, and I called an old friend, Kyle Harless, and uh, he said, for Philip, I'll do it. You know, so... <laughs> And so it'll be good. Uh, Kyle and and Hetty live in Harrodsburg now. Uh, They're part of this church and in leadership of this church, and and as far as board members and children's ministry and so forth for years. So really looking forward uh, for them being here. And he has a preaching gift. God does speak to him, prepares heart for that. And so uh, I don't, I don't necessarily think it'll be on the one another series, but you know we'll let the Lord lead him. Uh, this Sunday, and we'll we'll get Phil's message in, in in due time as well. Um, so that's where we're headed for next Sunday. And I, as your pastor, one of the main reasons we are doing this "Love of One Another" series once is because it's revealing. Oh my! Look at all these instructions from God's Word to relate one on one, and at Sunday morning settings. Uh, with the rows and aisles, and, and, and you're listening to one teacher the whole time, doesn't lend itself to obey the New Testament instructions there. So um, so I'm strongly encouraging you to pray about some form of life group ministry or or Bible study or prayer group that you haven't been a part of before to step into that in 2024. I do want to give you a little bit more details about our, uh, we have a monthly prayer meeting for Israel, it's been gone over, you know, 15 years or more, and um, uh, because Thanksgiving week would normally be the week, we bumped it to November 29th, and we'll have a special uh, speaker in a sense that will be here to start us off, uh, and then we will lead into prayer there. His name is David Bosky. His parents moved from America, Messianic Jews, to Israel, uh, you know, many years ago, whatever that was, 30, 40 years ago. They still live in the land, in fact, in the southern part of Israel. So I'm wondering how their experience was like on October 7th, and in, in 3,500 bombs, uh, missiles were sent in that area in one day, um, and uh, and so I, I don't know that story, but David uh, was working in Jerusalem at the ministry firm. Our team that went to uh, uh, with Henry Christian Church to Israel in April, we had an appointment there to meet with Wayne and, and Ann Hilson, uh, founders or pastors uh, of, who lead firm and have led the church there. We were in the prayer room and they said, I've, You've got to meet someone, David Boskey's. He's heading to Kentucky this year. And sure enough, he is a brand new student at Asbury Seminary, and so this is in a in a in really a divine connection uh, between us and him, and and where we're going to hear from a young man married with two little kids that went through the IDF not too long ago. His three years of service has friends and close people involved in the uh, what's going on in in the uh, in the combat and so forth and. So we're going to hear a perspective that is very, very close, and uh, and that's going to just you know reveal to us some truths, and that's one reason uh, these messages have been so important to me is we have sources, and we know people who have lived there 20, 30, 40 years, and so we're getting the inside scoop. You know, when you hear something on the news, and you know it's about a company, you call your friend who works in the company and say, hey, tell me. The inside scoop, right? It's just the way information gets put out. The farther you are, the less uh, details you understand. And so we have this opportunity to get very close to this situation and help lead us in prayer more accurately. The other reason I'm excited for him being here, I want him to feel our support. I'm just asking you, even if you normally wouldn't come, I'm asking you to come because I want him to go, wow, in this small-town area of Kentucky, there's people that care about me and my family and what we're going through. You guys are praying for us regularly. I want him to see it and feel it when he's here that night. And so I'm asking you to come and, and be a part of that. In January, February, sometime early in the year, I plan on doing a perhaps a short series on signs of the end times. It's what people are just asking about, right? Is this one of the wars in the Bible? Is this, uh, you know, when is Antichrist going to come? And these questions aren't easy questions, uh, yet there are things happening that we do see in Scripture that could be clear markers or it could be just preparation for those things. So we're going to just dig it right out of Scripture and look for signs in the end times. Also in January, we're going to have Phil and Melinda win here on January 14th, just a solid ministry, a prophetic ministry that uh, will, you know, just hear what God is saying to the church and share that with us. So it's going to be a great time. All right. On your tables, there's these handouts, one from last week, Uh, we stand with Israel, then a second one that will go along with Uh, many of the uh, uh, slides that you can take home with you if they're helpful. I just wanted to, particularly last week, had so much information that with dates and things, it's hard to remember. So I wanted to give those to you in hard copy uh, so you could uh, have that. And I plan on this week sending out an email to the church email Uh, that has a video about the land. I know there was a couple maps last week. I didn't spend as much time as I wanted on that second map, and I found a good short video, five minutes, that explains that a little bit better. So I don't want to review much from last week, uh, but I do want to dig in here that, um, uh, well, let's, let's open in prayer first before I start. I want the Lord's help. Lord Jesus, I seek to please you. And honor you. And so with this message, I'm yielding to your spirit that you would lead and guide me, trusting that each one of us have open ears and open hearts to you uh, for what you're doing in the earth. We will have clarity from your spirit and your word and follow you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are three wars going on uh, in the Middle East right now, a land war, a religious war and a truth war, and really that's more global than anything else. Uh, this truth war is the biggest war that's out there. There's terrorists who know and understand this truth war. Iran, which is a whole nation set for Islamic uh, uh, extremism, knows there's a media war today, and they are fighting it uh, effectively, Listening to people again from the land saying this attack on October 7th was so, had so much suffering in it that he believes Israelis will, are now convinced that it's not a land war. We don't need to feel pressure to give land for peace because that's all that we've done with Gaza when the Israeli government actually pulled out Israeli citizens out of Gaza in 2005. Gazans, Palestinians who lived there, voted Hamas as their ruling leader, an Islamic extreme organization, terrorist organization, and started bombing, uh, sending missiles over their borders into Israel immediately. And they realize that even when you give them land and pull out so they have full control of that region, they're still attacking us. This isn't a land war. This is a religious war for them. They have religious convictions. They have been taught since childhood religious reasons to kill Jews. And we're going to touch base on that as we move forward. That Israelis are realizing, though we try to give them uh, what they ask for, it doesn't stop the killing, the uh, the raping, beheading, uh, and the torture even on our children. So the Arab world, and this is part of what they're seeing with this Hamas, have three no's, and that, that's way too loose. The Arab world's way too loose. This was a... The three knows did has come out of an israelis uh, excuse me an Arab summit, no peace, no recognition that Israel should exist as as a nation and no negotiation with them at the same time um Prime Minister uh, uh, Sadat out of Egypt risked his life to make a peace treaty with egypt, and he said that in in he and his wife knew he would likely die for it, and he was assassinated just a few years later. And so there can be peace if leaders will stand and say, hey, Israel's not the one we want to fight. We want to be allied with them. God can bring peace to the Middle East. So I ask a question, why such hatred against the Jews? Why the growing anti-Semitism that we're seeing throughout the earth and countries all over, there's college campuses that are having protest against the Jews. There's parent, Jewish parents who are afraid to sit, let their children leave the home, go out onto the school campuses. They're having them stay home. I was listening to a professor, Rabbi Henry Abramson, a uh, college professor in Brooklyn, New York, who was actually doing a teaching on the four eras, phases of anti-Semitism in in the history of the Jews, and he said, I saw a student walking down the sidewalk, and a another student came over, assaulted her, punched her in the face, and went on. And he's saying, I believe we're entering a new era in the earth of anti-Semitism. The Anti-Defamation League says in the last month or so since October 7th of that year, uh, Terrible day there in southern Israel. There's been a 400% increase of cases of harassment, vandalism, and assaults in the United States regarding anti Semitism. So it's on this significant rise, and this professor who has studied this uh, as a history professor says he thinks this is a new era of anti Semitism. Business owners are losing employees if they're Jewish or stand to to support. Uh, and pray for the hostages. Hostages pictures have been torn off wall, uh, torn off walls. It's really shocking to see. Well, let's just look at these terms for a moment. Racism is a prejudice against a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial or ethnic group. I know back in May of 2020, when George Floyd was horribly. Uh, suffered and died uh, there on the street and before our eyes captured on video that it was a time for our nation to say, Lord God, search my heart of any wicked way. If I have discrimination, prejudice that's creeped in my thought patterns or in my intentions or motives, please cleanse me and purify us. And we need to be open to the Lord to." Uh, purify us like that and point out things that, oh, yes, that's pride, and that pride looks down on someone else in in an inferiority way and let us stay open to that. What we're hearing right now is a very common phrase that's been chanted for decades, from the river to the sea. The river being the Jordan River, which is that uh, uh, eastern border of the Israel Uh, and then the Mediterranean Sea to the left, that they're saying, get rid of all the Jews. It's known as a genocidal statement. And the definition of genocide is the deliberate killing of a large number of people from a particular nation or ethnic group with the aim of destroying that nation or group. So this is very real. This is very serious, and as the believers in Christians in the land, we need to stand for what's right. And this is not right. No matter what your view about Israel or or uh, this kind of things, there is a genocidal murder spirit released on the land, and we want to be people who stand with righteousness and justice. I want to just go through a... a, a a quite long passage out of Revelation chapter 12 and point to you the spiritual roots of this hatred. The spiritual roots. It's let's go to Romans, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter 12. I'm going to actually read verses 1 through 12 all the way through that and be looking in your Bible or on the screen carefully as things will stick out to you. Uh, in a in maybe a new and fresh way as you see these scriptures. So, Revelations is uh, written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the Apostle John, who actually is having a revelation, a seeing things in the spiritual realm and in heaven. The angel uh, is walking him through, wanting him to see things that have happened, are happening, and will happen. And this is one of those scenes that God reveals to John and said, I want you to write this down and let people know what has happened and is happening in the spiritual realm. Verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads, ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God in his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they uh, should feed her three, uh, three, they freed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But they did not prevail, nor there was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. So great the dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, who was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea and the sea for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. There's a couple more verses we'll look at in a moment, but let's just tackle these 12 scriptures quickly. The dragon, this allegorical figures that are in this uh, revelation, this spiritual realm uh, reenactment of what has happened, the dragon Uh, is symbolized, is the devil, is the symbol for the devil. And the woman is Israel. And the baby is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So let's look at a few verses on that. Verse 9 describes uh, the devil, just really obvious here. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. So we got that really quickly and easily. Verse 1 speaks about the woman in a unique way that gives us clarity very quickly. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. When you see the number 12, it most always refers to the tribes of Israel and is a way to point to Israel. But let me go a little further with that because the stars, moon, and sun, refer back to something very clear and specific. And that was in Genesis chapter 37. Do you remember the two dreams that Joseph had? Joseph was one of 12 brothers, and they represented the 12 tribes uh, of Israel. And he had two dreams when he was young, and one was about the sheaves, the wheat sheaves. They bowed down to him, and he shared that dream with his brothers, and they were like going to beat him up. You You little twerp. What are you doing? We're gonna, we're gonna serve you. What is this? And then he had a second dream, and he shared it with them and his dad and his mom. And the sun represented the dad, and the moon was represented the mom. And then there was the eleven stars representing the other tribes. And they said, and they bowed down him. This sun, moon, and stars bowed down. Well, here we see that combination again, referring to Israel. And so, there's this is clear this. They, they would have remembered a Jewish person reading Revelation would have gone boom. Joseph's second dream. The twelve. This is, uh, this is the nation of Israel. And then verse five describes this male child, uh, who is to rule, uh, all nations with a rod of iron. And he was caught up to the throne. And so what I want to tell you is, is that this has actually been a part of the cosmos, spiritual realm from Satan himself, this hatred for Israel before our time, before you go back and you Google some dates uh, and try to figure it out. Now, let me tell you, this is a spiritual, demonic hatred from the devil himself. He's always had it. Let's look at Revelation verse 13. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. So he had in his intentions to persecute her. It goes on in the next couple of verses how he uh, pursues her, but she's given wings to protect her. He tries to drown her with this water and so forth, and she's protected in verse 17 of uh, Chapter 12 says, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So he sees not only this hatred for Israel, who started the whole thing where the Messiah come from, But he hates then the children of Jesus Christ who go on and obey and follow Jesus Christ. So that's us. It's described uh, in my translation, New King James Version, in verse 12, as great wrath. That's another word for rage, fury. This is the attitude that the devil has toward Israel and Christians. And it described uh, here in this passage how he was waiting to devour. He was waiting for this baby to be born. He, was, he was, had a target. That was the Messiah. And he missed that Messiah. Boy, what he and his demons were doing. The moment Jesus breathed and said, It is finished on the cross and breathed his last on the cross, they said, "We did it. We did it. We killed the Messiah. He's been trying to kill the Jews and the Messiah for generations after generation." Moses, uh, the the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. He had had them trapped. Oh, but there's going to be a a deliverer named Moses, and and so the devil had all the two year old boys uh, in in all of Egypt who were. Jewish killed, and Moses escaped and was able to be used as an instrument to deliver the people. The spirit of Haman, uh, where they were in Persia, the Jewish people, and Mordecai heard that Haman, who was servant of the king, was going to, they set a law to kill all the Jews on a certain day, and that's when beautiful Esther came in to appeal to the king to stop this Uh, genocide of the Jews. You see, this has been the devil's number one target, was wipe out the Jews, wipe out the Messiah. The Messiah was born, so let's kill him, and they thought he did. But it didn't happen, did it? Because God, his resurrection power, raised him up and what horror did the devil and the demons see that Jesus Christ is victorious and he's victorious in our life as well. So I want to give you a quick list here of why the devil hates Israel so much. Because the woman is represents Israel, gives birth to the Messiah, and what else? Well, the Word of God, the Hebrew Scriptures that are Over half of our Bible are Jewish scriptures. God gave it to them, and it is a key part. It completes, the New Testament completes it as our whole Bible. The covenants of God, where God spoke to Abraham, uh, Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David, bringing the covenants that he has for the Jewish people and for us because we're grafted into that Olive tree, Israel, the promised land, and the promises that we've. And if you've been there, you see it. This is amazing how God, over century over century, has poured out His work on the land. All the early church were Jews. The twelve apostles, there was one hundred twenty waiting for the for uh, uh, the Spirit that came on the day of Pentecost. They were all Jews. Three thousand got saved that day when Peter preached. They were all Jews. The whole first church were Jewish leaders. Don't forget, our Savior is Jewish. So all these blessings to the earth, spiritual blessings, came through the Jews. Even the New Testament is written by Jewish writers, of course, inspirational Holy Spirit, except perhaps Luke. And there's a debate on that, whether he was Gentile or Jewish. But just to say that, again, even our New Testament is written primarily by Jews, by the birthing of the Holy Spirit. So, we just need to realize the character and nature of the enemy here. That the devil hates what God loves. He is so opposite that the devil hates what God loves who is the devil out of Revelation chapter 12. It says he's a devourer, he's a deceiver, he is an accuser, he has great wrath, he has rage. Folks, I am sorry to say this, but Hamas terrorists reminds me of that list right there. Islamic extremism and their religious war, war called jihad is this right here. We need to understand that an Islamic terrorist is very likely demon-possessed. Now, I'm not saying they can't be saved. Jesus, when he died on the cross, defeated sin and death, and every demon, demons must leave at the name of Jesus. Jesus had more than one examples where he delivered people from demon oppression and demon possession. I've seen that in ministry myself. There's always hope for the worst of terrorists because Jesus' blood is that powerful. In fact, this campaign, military campaign, going through Gaza block by block is just as much not just to to end violence on Israelis, but to free Palestinians of Hamas terrorism. We have to be careful what we're hearing on the news because it's the devil that is training and teaching this false media presentations that are coming over and over again. We must realize that when we get any report from Gaza that is from the Hamas side, even if it's a Palestinian, we got to question it because if they're under the rule of Hamas and they're watching them and they will take them out if they don't obey. They have no problem with that. They don't go and, you told that journalist and that reporter, you really didn't show. No, they just take them out, folks, as in... Kill them and destroy them, devour them. This battle, I mean, Israel knows this media battle. It is so real. They've known it for years. They have protocols. They've, they've bombed different uh, in t- retaliation to missiles and bombs that have come in. They spot those locations. They'll bomb back, but they'll do different things to warn them. The leaflets, they do the leaflets. They call the building and say, evacuate the building. We're going to bomb it in a couple hours. And they've had these landlords and these managers say, go ahead. We're not going to evacuate. Instead of Iran, Iran's supreme leader that he says, I'd rather have dead Arabs, pictures of dead Arabs, children than Jews killed. Because I win the media war. We win the media war. When there's dead Palestinian children on film. Again, a little bit of uh, inside scoop here. I'm not going to say the names of the organizations. But Israel has had, it's not active right now, but in the northern uh, border nations, a good neighbor operation where they provided supplies and protection for this ministry, this organization that I have know and and I've been in contact with and I, I know who they are, provide medical teams and the personnel and they take them across the border in Hezbollah areas, set up medical clinics to treat the Arabs there. Because the impression is so bad, these are poor, poverty areas without good, uh, sustainable uh, hospitals and things. And they provide medical clinics and occasionally a terrorist will walk in. And they serve that terrorist whatever wound they have. Because they want to demonstrate to their Arab neighbors, we really want you to succeed. We want you to be blessed here. We will help you. The whole hospital thing is, is, you've got to really watch uh, the whole hospital headquarters base. Israelis had intel that nine years ago that base was put there under the hospital. And they made a decision, do we bomb the hospital or not? And they, they chose not. And it just grew and grew. Robert Stearns, who again has people in inside scoops, he's provided a video of Israeli soldiers in the night putting fuel, taking fuel to the hospital so it could keep operating. Well, guess what? Hamas stole the fuel. Fred and I were watching a a, a video clip on CNN uh, off the online that it, it looked like Israeli soldiers were breaking the protocols of safety and taking this cameraman, CNN reporter, into the hospital area early on. They were still shooting in the distance. They had to duck sometimes. And he said, look, and we're not making this up. Here's, here's the hospital. Here's a mosque. Here's a terrorist house right here. You see those solar panels, the power cables going right down. There's the tunnel. There's one of the tunnels right there. Built right in between hospital and a mosque. A terrorist home. So this is real battle of war through the media. I want to jump through some things because I need, and it's some of this is on your handout, so that's good. That the Hamas charter says there is no resolution for the Palestinian question except through jihad. Everything else is a waste of time. A commander from Hamas says Israel is only the first target. The entire planet will be under our law. And that's what they call Sharia law that can be, uh, you know, of course, taking all women's rights away from women and dishonor them and have honor killings if you don't follow uh, all the Sharia law rulings. There's a well-known Jordanian-Palestinian businessman and politician. I'm going to read this paragraph. I don't think I have this on the handout. But on October 12th, so this is just last month, Talal Abu Ghazali says this, Israel would not sacrifice a single person. He's bragging about the Palestinians. He says that Israel would not sacrifice a single person. There isn't a goal for which it would sacrifice a single person. They are, excuse me, I repeated that, didn't I? They are afraid of death. Death for them is strange and loathsome. We, on the other hand, welcome death. A Palestinian carries his son on his shoulders with a headband on the kid's forehead in which his father inscribed, Martyrdom Seeker. This is a man who says, I want my son to die. A Palestinian mother says, I have given birth to six children so that three could die in the revolution. I gave birth to children so that they would be martyred. This does not exist in the Zionist mentality, he says. So he's bragging, this is his quote, that we welcome death, our parents welcome it for their children to die as martyrs in the battle to kill Jewish people. Again, another thing is just horrible to even imagine, but in with children who are the ones who are abused and oppressed in this Extremist Islamic extremist society in schools, young children like early elementary will have teddy bears that they cut their heads off to desynthesize them to that kind of violence. Praying for peace in the Middle East is praying for revival, for terrorists to be saved, and for the terrorists to to be stopped, dismantled, defeated to where they cannot regroup. I'm reading Psalms differently. I've shared one last week. Psalm 38, verse 19. But my enemies are vigorous, and they are strong, and those who hate me wrongfully have multiplied. Those also who render evil for good, they are my adversaries, because I follow what is good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. This, these enemies that hate me wrongfully, they pursue me, they, they, for them evil is good and I'm trying to do good. This is what Israel is trying to do and is doing to the best of their ability. I want to change directions here. I'm going to mention both of Joel League's book. Joel, our founding pastor, uh, senior pastor for 32 years, I believe, uh, here at Living Waters, uh, passed away five years ago. He wrote two books. Uh, one is called Deliverance from Another Place. And uh, in 2010, and a few years later, he wrote a pun Further Review, which is actually like a devotional book. You can get both of these uh, online. Carol, do you have extra copies to sell, or is it just you just do it through Amazon kind of thing? So online is, is your best bet for this. But Deliverance from Another Place, this title is referring to a vision he had back in 1973, and I'm not going to go into the details of the vision. This was soon after he was just rededicating his life, getting into ministry, so it was very early on. Uh, he, he, was, he was young in ministry at the time, but God gave him this, this dream that stuck with him. And um, in 1995 was the first Israel group, tour group, We filled up a bus, 30-some, 40 people. And um, through a certain set of circumstances, we met Robert Stearns, who had lived there. He was actually on the same flight. We saw him uh, connected while we were there, and he knew leaders in the land, pastors and rabbis and people in the land, so that we didn't just stay in a tour group. We connected, started connecting with people who are serving living Messianic Jews. And so God started revealing to Joel, this, this vision I gave you, this is important. <laughs> this, is, this is impacting, the, this will impact the world, what I'm revealing to you. And I'm going to read a couple of sentences in his preface to start off. From the opening volley, I'm sorry. See, the Lord used him to prepare us for what was coming. And, and he's, he's not here as we get closer uh, to what the Lord revealed to him. And so, here we are. Let me try to read the first couple sentences here, okay? From the opening volley of the direct and unvarnished challenge in this book, let me be frank with you. Doesn't that just sound like Joel? Joel? <laughs> I guess I'm grieving too, folks. I'm grieving here. Miss that man? What a godly man. What a loving man. Let me be frank with you. This book is nothing less than an urgent call to the duty of yielding to your destiny to fight for Israel. Now, in this same page or paragraph, he he clarifies he's not talking about physically uh, uh, armament. He's saying um, that the conf- conflict will be waged by supernatural strategies and weaponry of of the spirit. So, give you that context. Just, just if you know Joel, you know that. But I'm just saying for others you don't. So, in the first chapter of this book, he unveils this vision he had. And I'm not going to get into into those details. What I will say is is kind of jump to the interpretation. That God revealed to him that Western nations, particularly two dominant Western nations, would turn onto Israel and begin persecuting them. And that is going to be an instant danger for Jews. In the book, as I reread that first chapter, he was focused on Israel and and Jerusalem as a location. I want us, as we're realizing, you know, it's, it's, so there's going to be protection provided by deliverance from another place, from the body of Christ, again, which has happened in history in the past. There's going to be protection that God will call us to, to protect the Jews, and resist this anti-Semitism, this genocide that will come toward the Jews, now it feels like a, a very near future, that it could, something quickly could happen in what he says in the book, and I've actually seen this in other places, so it's not just this one vision that God revealed this, that America and England will turn against, in, which right now, well, in history, England was their primary ally as the nation first started back in the, the British mandate after World War I, but then now we are their primary ally in the world. And so when these two nations turn against Israel, That's when we need to be prepared and ready to protect the Jews. And I want to say, let's say with faith, the Lord connect us in the land for that fulfillment and here in America. And there is a stand that we'll be taking against our own government. So I want to encourage you to get the book, read the book. He goes into some other history things about Living Waters Church and how that ties in. But I believe we need, as a church family, seriously pray about how this book, the message of this book is it's time to stand with Israel and it's time to prepare to protect the Jews and ask the Lord to lead us into that. I want us to turn toward prayer in just a moment. Let's look to Psalm 22 before we do that. Psalm 20, 122, verse 6 through 8. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Let me stop there for a minute. Some of these Hebrew names, it's hard for me to remember. I've, I've heard him speak before. He is president of TBM in Israel. He leads uh, Sarel Tours, which is one of the largest tour companies in the land. He's, he's a believer. He's a Messianic Jew, and he was being interviewed just recently by a pastor. They had a friendship. And he said, Pastor, I want to tell you that your love for me and the Jewish uh, people is supernatural. This is something God has done. God has put this in your heart. As Joel writes in his book, he said, I grew up in Carlsbad, New Mexico. I knew nothing about Jewish people, Jewish history, zilch. But God did this supernaturally in my heart. And then this leader in the land said, and I believe that this anti-Semitism is also supernatural. That it doesn't make sense. Really, racism doesn't make sense. We're all created in God's image. We all have value. It doesn't make sense. It's always evil and demonic. With demonic roots. And so he's saying this is bigger than Hamas. This is bigger. This is the devil's work in the earth. Is to come against us like this. Let's read on. Verse 6 said, May they prosper who love you. So Lord... Prosper us as we seek to obey you. Next verse, verse 7. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, peace be within you. As we point you toward here uh, and, and to close, why does the devil still hate the Jews? I believe the devil knows that his time is short. It says that in that Chapter 12 of Revelation, he's enraged because he knows his time of judgment is short. And then he's read the end of the book. And he knows that it's in Israel where Jesus will come back riding on a white horse to defeat the armies against him and righteousness. And he will defeat those armies and he will set up in Jerusalem his kingdom and reign from an earthly place, Jerusalem. So the devil thinks, if I can just end Israel, if I can ruin them as a nation and have them fall, then maybe the end won't be as bad as it it reads right now. Why stand with Israel, the handful of these bullet points are from last week. I want to just remind us and then add a couple of more. Why we stand with Israel to stand against evil for the the sake of everyone, both in the Middle East and the earth, that terrorism is evil toward everyone. To stand with God's promises over the people and the land. To stand for truth. To stand with our friends in Israel. We, We know people that are spending extra time in their bomb shelters. To stand against And this is new for today, to stand against racism and genocide. That just as a righteous, just God we serve, we stand against racism and to protect Jewish people. And I'd like to end like we did last Sunday, is to pray for salvations among Jewish people and Muslims as well. That it can happen, folks. Iran is a state official extremist Islamic government. And it's also the fastest growing church underground hidden in the world. So this can be a a, a, like a revival time. This can be a surge of the gospel through Gaza, Palestinians, even Hamas. God, in the end, in all things, is looking for the harvest. So I'm going to ask you at your tables to pray for the harvest of souls among Jews and Muslims. I'm going to ask you, as the Lord leads... For, to pray for the protection of Jewish people. That could be right here on a college campus. Maybe you have an example or a story that you've seen or heard uh, and, and have firsthand uh, connection to where we need to start praying now. It's not something in the future. It's going on right now. Let's pray for the protection of Jewish people. And then let's pray... Um, You know, I'm going to let that be that and let you guys kind of pray as, you know, we have kind of a long list and you guys have been praying for Israel, so I'll let you decide if there's anything else you want to pray for. We're just going to have some, uh, maybe some soft music in the background and you just go and pray. I'll say a closing prayer in a minute. Those of you online, uh, you can pray there at home, uh, but we're not going to continue the online uh, viewing right now. Okay, thank you. Why don't you go ahead and turn your chairs around and and begin prayer. If you're at a table that doesn't have many people, feel free to...